You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. All right, excellent. Uh, are the speakers on? Sweet. Welcome to the show, guys. They found a little funky. Uh, Alan Lee's not going to be here today. He had a work or something, but I wanted to plug some dates real fast and then I'll introduce the guest. Uh, this ho- Saturday, I'm going to be at the Hollywood Improv with Jay Moore, and then Friday, January 3rd, the Rec Room with Tom Rhodes, and the January the 7th, I'm headlining the Irvine Improv. So come out, buy your tickets, and support us. And then my guest today, who really came out through for me, I've been trying to get him for a while, is a guy, <laughs> Tori. How are you, guys? What's going on, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. Doing? I'm yeah. good. I'm good. I'm on break right now, man. Yeah. Off the road anyway. Not break as in not doing stand-up, but break as in I don't have any road shows. So yeah. I usually don't work December, so you got me. You yeah. got me, man. We were supposed to have you when you were doing Ontario, and I, right. had, I had a plan because I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to be really, really funny, and guys going to be like, hey, you want to open for me, Ontario? I'm going to be like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <And it's> a, <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have my openers. Um, I, I didn't, you know what? But you know, it, it could have been a possibility though, because I didn't have my normal opener uh, in Ontario. She, uh, young lady, Miss Pretty Ricky, she booked a uh, a cruise, and it was definitely paying more than what you know yeah. the improvs pay openers. So I told her to take that gig. Yeah. But you know, I had some I had some good openers, some good replacements. It, yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, like, that's just my dream, you know, <laughs> just to do stand Because, like, I'm one of those guys where, like, I, did, I just love doing comedy no matter what. You know what I mean? Do you travel a lot? I travel with Jay Moore, and I used to travel with Norm MacDonald. And you still love it? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, I mean. I tell people, people all the time, if the jokes are free. It's the traveling that you're paying for. Yeah. You're paying us to leave out of our homes and our comfort of our own beds and our own toilets. Yeah. And to get on planes and deal with nasty-ass TSA and... And those airplanes and hotel beds. That's what you're paying for. The jokes are free. Yeah. I heard, like, because... Uh, Can I cuss on here? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another line. <laughs> I heard because, like, uh, I I take a... I go to school, too, and then one of my... What are you uh, studying? Uh, screenwriting. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. So Don't forget me. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote, like, four movies. If I sell any, you're in them. If... I, I'm when, trying. When? Oh, when? when That's a good You'll word. never sell yeah. any anything saying if. <laughs> well, I hope. Yeah. Those words are, are those words are setups for you to fail. So you can say, "Well, I tried." Oh, okay. No, that's when actually sell, good advice. When you sell your screenplay, words have power, man. I say this all the time. Change your language, change your life, change your words, you change your world. So, just you know, you got you got to see it, man. You got to believe in yourself. Otherwise, nobody else gonna believe in your ass. That's true. Okay, so when I sell them, you're in. All right, yeah. you heard it here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'll come find you. I got a crew. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, find, we'll, we'll find you, brother. Yeah. But uh, so like uh, in one of my classes, this girl was doing a lecture because her mom works at uh, Southwest. And she said that like if you. Southwest Airlines. Airlines? Okay. Yeah. You got a buddy pass? No, no. Huh. I don't really know her. But she was saying how like uh, if you wanted to like upgrade to first class, you know, you just got to be nice to the ticket people, maybe give them <laughs> chocolate or something. So I went to San Jose this week, and I tried that. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, first of all, you can't upgrade on Southwest. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Damn. You fell for the banana in a tailpipe, man. Yeah, so he gave the ticket guy some chocolate, fucking and he's rookie. looking at me like I'm weird. I'm like, <laughs> he thought you shot a hit on him. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
Well, the thing is, I have Asperger's syndrome, so I believe everybody. You know what I mean? It's like I'm so <laughs> gullible, and I'm just like, oh, whatever. Man, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, get, you gotta do something about that real soon, <laughs> especially in this damn industry. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. That's true. But uh, you uh, started the when I first started doing comedy. This was probably 2005, 2006. You were uh, doing the Tuesday nights at the Comedy Store. Oh, That's, Fat Tuesdays, yeah. yeah, the hottest night in the country. Yeah, and you brought in a lot of big names like. Uh, well, I didn't bring them in. They just wanted to play the club. I yeah. mean, it was it was simple. I had to really know. This is really pre-social media, pre... I didn't have any radio budget or anything, man. I just built a brand, man, that that when you came to Fat Tuesdays, you knew you were getting, you know, a great show. Yeah. And you never knew who was going to... I never advertised who was going to be there. Yeah. I just advertised the night. But there were so many great comedians that were falling through and getting on stage. And the women were beautiful and sexy and... You know, the guys want to come out and see the beautiful women, sexy ladies. So it was always packed. And then the celebrities came out. You know, we yeah. everybody from Prince to Denzel to, to to you name it, to Quentin Tarantino to, you know, a lot of a lot of comedians were discovered at that night. So it was a really, really hot night. It wasn't like me being the funniest and people wanted to see me. It was just like I caught lightning in a bottle, man. And it was just, a you know, everything was connected. Everything was right, man. And you worked your ass off, too. I was work. When you when you run a room, because, you, you know, you, you run a room, it's, yeah. it's work. It's, it's a lot of work. And, and you know, I, I got in fights and argues, arguments with my agents all the time about, you know, it's taken away from me and being an artist and being a stand-up. But my whole thing was trying to put other comedians on. Right. So it was like, okay, if I have to, you know, um, give up a little bit of my stardom to – build other stars, then I think more stars are better than just one star shining. So so when you stopped uh, the Tuesdays, like what made you want to stop that? Just you wanted to- It was just a lot of work, man. At the time, I was just got married, so I was, I, was, I was a newlywed. That's a lot of fucking work. Yeah. Uh, I was still touring at the same time, so, and I was um, doing, doing, still acting, still doing movies and TV. Yeah. And running a room. That, that's four really full-time jobs Right there. Yeah. So something had to go. And since that one was the least profitable one, yeah. uh, outside the marriage, because that wasn't really profitable, but um, <laughs> not for me anyway, um, then the Fat Tuesdays was the one that, that, that I felt had to go, but I made sure it was in, it, you know, I left it in good hands. Was this marriage the one where you proposed on uh, the Tonight Show? show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, like, what was that like? It was, it was dope. It was a dope experience, man. I still say my wedding day is the most beautiful day of my life. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was just, it was, it was really, I was promoting, um, the animal and Pearl Harbor came out a week apart. Yeah. So I was promoting those two movies on the show and, you know, I had been dating my girlfriend long distance, you know, for about three years, about two, uh, maybe about two and a half, close to three years. And then I basically, um, you know, you know, women kind of give you an ultimatum, but don't give you an ultimatum, but it's really an ultimatum. Uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, you, <laughs> yeah, you will. They'll, they'll throw hints and say little things. So I was like, you know what? You know, why not? And I, so I, I wanted to do it big and make a splash. So I, I chose to do it on the Tonight Show. Plus, I had a lot of women around the country to tell at one time that I'm off the market. Yeah. I can't remember all these bitches I fucked. That's got to be like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the most romantic proposal ever, though, right? It was. It was, it was crazy. A lot of guys got mad at me because their girlfriends were looking at them like, <laughs> then, then you know, damn it! Why didn't you? You, uh, you see what he did? Guy's getting married. So yeah, I see comedians trying to do it at comedy clubs and like. Whenever... I've done it. Oh, not, not comedians, but I've been the comedian on stage when people have asked me, 
you know, the manager comes to him and says, hey, this guy wants to propose to his wife, oh. you, know, on, you know, during the show. I said, well, after the show, we're not doing a damn show. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah like I... I've seen like actual comedians, you know, like really? guys like they like, oh, so I've been with my girlfriend for uh, 13 days or whatever. And then like they make it a joke, like proposing. <laughs> and it's just like, I always thought it'd be funny if she said no. You see, I, I knew, I knew my ex was going to say, she's my ex now. Yeah. I knew she was going to say yes. Cause she had, you know, she had did that ultimatum thing. So yeah. I wasn't worried about her saying no. It wouldn't have been funny. If she said no to you, but I'm saying at a comedy club. Yeah. It would have been funny because it's That's like, funny it just hell. embarrasses the comedian. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Live TV. It's I thought about that though. <laughs> Comedians actually do it. That's really funny. Yeah. So, but, and then, uh, you brought in, uh, uh, Chris Tucker and Michael Blackson and all those. For, guys. Oh yeah, Fat Tuesdays, man. Fat Tuesdays had everybody, man, um, coming in from from Chappelle to to you know Chris Tucker, Chris Rock has has dropped in there. My brother Joe Torrey, I mean Paulie Shore, Dice Clay, they've all graced that stage. Kevin Hart, Cat Williams. I mean, it was just a few Mike Epps, Cedric Entertainer, you know Bernie Mac. Yeah, they all would come through, man, and on the strength, and it was just that hot, hot night, man. That was, uh, you know, that was so so incredible. Well, how does that like make you feel? Be like all these great comics, where you know you didn't necessarily discover them, but you gave them a spot on your show. I didn't discover anybody, man. Yeah. I, I I gave them up a platform. Nick Cannon was actually discovered at Fat Tuesdays. Um, oh, everyone should I, leave him alone right now. Hey, <laughs> Nick Cannon's a good guy, man. <laughs> him and him, him and him and him beef. Yeah. <laughs> but no, man, it's it's um. You know, it's just, I just, I mean, there's tons of clubs around this city, around this country. Yeah. And I just had a platform to showcase. So I can't take credit for discovering anybody. Yeah. I can only take credit for providing a platform where they showcase because I didn't write any of their jokes. I didn't make any phone calls on their behalf or, or set up any meetings. So what they did was, was, was all them. I mean, I just, I was just really trying to showcase them because, you know, industry quit going to the hood to see black comedians. And uh, I wanted I wanted to showcase all the talent that was um, that was coming out of the hood or, yeah. or performing in the hood. So yeah, it's it's all the credit, and I can't take any of it, man. Well, have you ever gotten jealous where like someone got offered something on your show that you're like, ah, fuck, no. how come they didn't? No, ask because what's mine is mine, what's theirs is theirs. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of comments who started either before me or with me and have gone on to 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 reach a lot of success. Yeah, some more so than mine, but. That's theirs. That's not mine. I yeah. can't get mad at that. Yeah. Because if, if you get mad at that, if you take credit for someone. You get bitterness. Who, who, but if you take credit for someone blowing up, like, oh, I did that. Then if, if a comic went on stage and bombed and slit, your, slit his wrist or her wrist after that show that they bombed, you going to take credit for that? For yeah. the death? No. So if you can't take credit for the low, highs, then or the lows don't take credit for the highs either. Yeah. That, that's true. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, because with comics, you know, and comedians, we're, we're very selfish, narcissistic, um, fucked up individuals, and it's it's you know you have to balance and fight all fight that that darkness. Yeah, you know, to live a normal life or for balance, basically. I've noticed that there's only like anyone can go on stage and tell a joke, but only certain people can go on stage and keep doing it. You know, that's why, like, yeah, some, crazy people, yeah, some, <laughs> like us. Some comics do it for like <laughs> two years and then they're done, right? Because they, they they tried it out. They would it really it wasn't for them. They because it looks easy. We make it look easy. Yeah, we make it look like we're just on stage, being a being a silly ass or being an asshole with jokes <laughs> and 
And we make it look easy. So like, oh, I can try this. I'm funny at the office. I'm funny around my family. I'm funny around my friends. And they get on stage and they die the death of a thousand dogs. <laughs> but, you know, hey, they tried. Yeah. You know, it's just that you got to love it. It's got to be here in your heart. Because if it's not, man, you you know, this, this game, this game is no game. Comedy yeah. is no joke. Yeah, that's true. You strike me as a type of comic where... Uh, I'm a comedian, by, by the way, actually. Yeah. <laughs> comic says funny things. A comedian makes things funny. There you go. Oh. oh, that's... Okay, you strike me as a type of comedian who writes on stage. Like, you Both, just go... Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big prep guy. I gotta do prep. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, you're more confident. It depends on who you are. Not everybody. Some comics can go on stage and just wing it. Yeah. I can... But I don't like to. Yeah. I rather write, I write my shit down word for word. Yeah. And you know, because I'm a writer too, so I write it down and I and then I just put bullet points and then I go on stage and have it there, and I'll try to like you know, well I try I I because I don't try anything. So what I'll do is is I'll incorporate both because you got to read the audience. Yeah. You know, you can have your set plan, which is great. Some comedians can stick to it. But you can have this set plan of what you want to do, but if the audience ain't feeling that, you gotta you gotta be able to Omaha out of that bitch. Yeah, you know you gotta you gotta audible and go to another play, and go to some you know something else. So it's good to be structured, but it's also good to be loose. But it's good to find that balance between being structured and also being able to freestyle. Now, what is your advice on how how to like gain that skill, like really? Just keep Which one? just getting to read the audiences and freestyling if you need to. Stage time. Stage time. Stage time. Just go up. Stage time. The more reps you get, the more comfortable you get on stage. But I always say hosting. Oh yeah. Hosting takes the pressure off you to be funny. Still be funny, you know, because the show isn't about you. It's about the entire show. It's about everybody on that show. You're you're the first person they see. You're damn the, the most important part of the show because you're taking all the bullets first, and you got to be able to to withstand those bullets. And 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 bring the audience to a level to where you know they're ready and warmed up for the first comic coming on after you, a comedian coming on after you. So, but the more you host, the more comfortable you get on stage, and the more you be able to read audiences. Yeah. So then, when you start featuring and headlining, then it's it's just second nature by that time. When I uh, when I started, I would always do anything to host. You know what I mean? Because that yeah. was the hardest thing for me because I can't read people. And but then, are you a good host? Everybody, every, everybody's not a host. Just because you're yeah. funny doesn't mean you're a host. Hosts have have to be not high high energy, but some energy because you're the first person they see. You set the tone. Yeah. And you want to be funny, and you want to be kind of like you know you want to you want to sell the crowd in. It's like it's it's like hey welcome you know to our house. And so everybody you know some hosts go straight in, go on stage, and go straight to the material. Yeah, I'm probably one of those hosts. Like, yeah. I just go. I, so yeah, well, there's a little bit of a greeting. Yeah, so you no, know, I I say like, hey, welcome and all that stuff, and then I just go straight into it because I don't know because I like my comedy heroes. They they you know everyone I always ask and I've interviewed a lot of people. They say just go straight to the jokes and just you know make people laugh. Like that's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, but but I mean, what I mean, yes, true. Yeah, but I mean that first minute. Yeah, you know that first minute at least. Let them, you know, get them warmed up, get them settled in, yeah. you know, like, oh, the show has started. Yeah. Like, and then go into your material. Like Fra Fraser Smith, I think, is the best Fraser's, host. He's, you know, he's a great host. He just goes up and, you know, he sets it in. But I, to answer your question, no, I, I don't think I'm a great host. I think I'm an okay host. Like, I could do it if right. I need to. Right. But when Norm promoted me to feature. Norm is funny. Yeah. And the, <laughs> he's the best, isn't he? He's one of the funniest, man. Yeah. And, uh. 
you know, he would always say, you know, just do your best because you're never going to be funnier than me. And like that taught me to get, you know what I mean? Right. To be I'll show great. him. Yeah. He can't follow me. And I think, I think out of the 300 shows I've done with him, maybe I matched him once, if that. Yeah, so like that's just well that's what i'm saying I'm, I'm, if, if that so i'm telling you like the batting averages right you know when you're when you're touring but it's, with, not, it's, it's, it's not your job to match yeah it's your job to be funny and get to set the table for norm yeah that's it uh i ho- i was the first host of the kings of comedy tour yeah. right i was five years in the game those guys were already 15 you know plus years in and i was still that's when i was a comic i yeah. was a comic back then i didn't have an i didn't have an act i had jokes but i didn't have an act and, um, but I knew it wasn't about me. Yeah. Right. And I, but I knew I had to, you know, kick ass while I was on stage. And that's the balance of getting with that balance stuff. It's like, you got to be able to make your mark because they're not there to see you. Yeah. They, they were there to see Bernie, Cedric, and Steve because DL hadn't joined the tour yet. DL didn't join the tour until I left. Dio Hughley. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so the thing about it was I had to, you know, Make sure I got the crowd there, but at the same time, not step on their toes. Because right. I would listen to their set. And if I had any jokes that were close to their jokes, I would take them out my act. Yeah. Because I wanted it fresh for them. I had enough material to be able to do that. To take, you know, whatever jokes I had similar to those guys out and and, and do it in the set, but still still get the audience where they need to be. Because right. they're, they're there for them. They weren't there for me. Yeah. When your your brother's a comic too, Joe like, Tory. yeah, Joe Tory. Does that when you were a young comic, did that like help you become better? Like, Absolutely, on yeah. several levels. One, he inspired me to do stand up just by him doing it. He was one of the you know pioneers of the Deaf Comedy Jam. Yeah, you know, he and Martin Lawrence were the ones who really inspired me. You know, at at that age, but you know, my brother allowed me to live with him. You know, rent free. Oh, for you know what I think the four or five years when I got out of here. And for those you know, when you move to L.A., it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't have to sleep in my car or sleep on somebody's couch. I had my own bedroom, you know, I had my own car. And that pressure, he was already, he was already making money. So I, he just said, as long as you're on stage working on your crap, don't worry about paying any bills. Yeah. And I made sure I was on stage two or three times a night, seven days a week, or at least six days a week, grinding, 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 grinding. And he saw how serious I was. And after two years of doing stand up, I did Deaf Comedy Jam. Yeah, but that that's because I got so many reps in. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like do one one show a week or two shows a week. No, I was grinding, hitting spots after spots, holding the wall, pizza joints, hosting when I can, jazz shows, art shows. It didn't matter, college shows it didn't matter. I just wanted this. I wanted a stage, a mic, I had my pen in my pad, and my little voice recorder, and I was going to town and and putting in that work. You know, um, man, putting that work paid off. Yeah. And so, so when he saw that, you know, he allowed that allowed me not to be stressed out and not to worry about. I mean, although I did work, I did work a job. I, I worked as a marketing assistant on a movie called Zebrahead, an Oliver Stone film, uh, and I also worked as a PA on the Martin Show. Oh, nice. So, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I you... did extra work too. I did background work. Oh, really? Like, what was that like? It was fun because, you know, every job you get in this industry, you should learn. It's good because it's almost like a paid intern. Yeah. Because you you can learn the different aspects. Like when I was an extra, I learned how to act on set. Yeah. I didn't take any acting class or anything like that. I didn't know. I was new to L.A. So 
I learn what a director does and what a producer does and what a casting agent is and, and what a grip is and a lighting person. So you sit back and you learn and you watch yeah. and you learn how to behave on set, you know. So, um, you know, the, 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 the jargon. So being an extra was like a sponge. Then when I was a PA, same thing. I learned the writing process. I learned what writers do and sitting in the writer's room or directors. And then this TV and film is totally different and different titles and different jobs. The same titles, different jobs and the different genres. So, yeah, man. So that, that was another question I had for you. For uh, you know, You're a comedian and then you, when you do movies and you transition into acting, how is it working to, with great actors and then opposite with working with comedians? Uh, as far as like working with comedians in in a production or on or or doing a comedy show, like in a in a film or something. Like for example, Rob Schneider's a stand up as well. So is, is he? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he did stand up. He still yeah. does. Really? Yeah. Not yeah. the biggest Rob Schneider fan. Huh. <laughs> the little guy. The little guy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Bad history there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I said I'm gonna st- I'm gonna get rid of all my grudges in 2020. Uh-huh. But since it's 2019, uh, <laughs> 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 I'm not getting rid of that grudge yet. Yet, no. Um, that was interesting with that one. Yeah, that that production because you know I, I came from uh, productions where they allowed me to go. They allowed me to have the green light. Right, you know, a, a sitcom called Good News, which is on UPN, and one of the greatest TV producers of all time, Ed Weinberger, who created Taxi, Mary Tyler Moore, Cosby Show, Sparks, 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 and the show I was on, Amen, and and he gave me the green light. You know, I came off of a movie on American History X, yeah. acting opposite Ed Norton, where director Tony K, first day on the set, said, "You have the green light. You know, do you? I trust you." I came off of shooting a movie called Life. We start Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, um, uh, Bernie Mac. I probably you, should have you know, said those names first when I said well, stand up. <laughs> yeah, you went to the bottom. Uh, <laughs> shit, not even the bottom. But um, no. Um, so, so when Eddie Murphy told the director first day on the set, let them go. Yeah. And then I get on the animal and and I and I was handcuffed. You know, really couldn't wasn't much for ad libbing and. And 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 just not bringing me to what I could have brought to that role, yeah. and it was like wow. And everybody knew it. Everybody around knew it, and and it was it was a, it was it was not an enjoyable experience. Oh. And um, it's to the point I came and watched the movie. Oh, really? To be honest. Oh. Uh So. Well, I'm so sorry because, like, honestly, that's, that's okay. one of my favorite films. Really, I'm sorry to steal your joy. Yeah. Anybody else's? I don't want to steal your joy, but. You know, I thought I, you were hysterical on that. Really? That wow. That's man. You have a low bar for <laughs> my favorite. My favorite scene is when uh, you're talking about what it's like being black at an airport, and then right. he's like, "Oh, Rob Snyder's like because you're black," and then you're like, "Hell no, because that's stupid. You guys <laughs> stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that bitches. That some bitches dumb." Um, yeah. So it was. It was. You know. It was challenging because it was. I wasn't my my, my creativity. Um, wasn't allowed to be, uh, wasn't accepted. Right. And and uh, and then just to say, it wasn't a director. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So yeah, so it, it's it's like it, it was tough. Yeah. It was really tough for being 
trusted by so many greats, and then someone kind of handcuffs you. Yeah, I can see all that. That because yeah, like, it wasn't it, fun. It kills your freedom as an artist too, and, and as a comedian. I mean, that's you know. Yeah. yeah, especially since another stand-up brother. Yeah, you know, like well, he should. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but I mean, he should like respect that. Well, you know, yeah. You know, unless you're insecure. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. I mean, yeah. people know me. I have no filter. I, I spit facts. I yeah, don't, I don't false cues, and you know, I, don't, I, I ruffle no f- feathers. And if, if if people get offended, then that's on you. Get therapy. I I have no filter too. I actually, you know, since you kind of. I'll tell you, I, I put in a job to open up for Rob, and his representative said no because I talk about having autism too much. And I guess Rob doesn't uh, believe in autism. But if you if you'd have promised to take him to Whole Foods in every city, maybe he would have you know, let yeah. you open up for him. But so, like, I understand the hurt, you know what I mean, of that type of thing. Yeah. Telling me what's funny and what's not. Right. You know, so. Right. But, uh, That's your story, yeah. right? Is autism yeah. your story? Yeah, I and that's it. your story. Why not? As a, and that's what I was saying about being a comic and a comedian. A comic will say funny things. A comedian make things funny. Autism is your story. You're telling your story. Yeah. So you know, and and I get it. I mean, that that that's the autism. I mean, to each his own, and not sound like a hypocrite. The headliner has a right to choose what material they want to come in front of them. I don't like somebody really dirty in front of me. Yeah. You know. And if that's their story, that's their story. But it's my choice. So in his defense, if he has, you know, if he, he maybe he feels that it it sets a different mood for the audience or whatever. I yeah. don't know. So I mean, this is right, but at the same time, um, it's your story. Keep telling your story. And if someone doesn't want you to do that in front of them, then you just you just keep moving on to someone who will. Yeah, I I I think doors happen with every like rejection. So like with, absolutely without rejection, I got Jay Moore. You know, exactly. So you got you got a comedian. You know, so it's like because <laughs> I can't be with Norm forever, and then right. I, I was with Hots, and then you know Jeremy Hots. I love Jeremy. Yeah, like the Canadian. Yeah, like I like the Canadian guys. Yeah, and it's weird because I'm I'm Texan. <laughs> you know. Uh, so it's like you you, that means you don't like blacks, then. No, I love. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'll fuck with you. no. Another question I had for you is like in in this day of age with comedy because I saw you at the Laugh Factory. You uh, you were going uh, against Trump, and it was funny. But like, how how does that like change with you know your way of thinking? You know what I mean? What do you mean? Like if there's a whole room full of Trump supporters, they always come to my shows. Yeah, and you they just come to my shows all the time. And you just keep going with yeah. it. Why, yeah, why, why facts? Yeah, and they, and they don't like facts. Yeah. So no, I I don't I don't bite my tongue. I don't I don't um, trump my Trump material because they're in the room. I I have I've had some walk out. You yeah. know, some old white men walk out and with their old white wives, uh, walk out because it's true. And I and the thing about it is I talk about everybody. Yeah, it's not just Trump. I talk about Obama. Yeah. I talk about Hillary. I talk about Trump. I, I spread the shit around. Yeah. But they're too locked into their guy that they can't, you know, they can't and it's comedy. Yeah. It's it's comedy. It, and and I and it's not it's and it's it's a brief it's that joke is literally maybe three minutes, yeah. four minutes out of and, and when I'm doing a normal set, hour hour and fifteen minutes and you can't for three minutes that, that bugs you, that's yeah. guilt. That's yeah, your, that's true. That's what that is. It's guilt, and it's my opinion. Yeah. So you know, I I, I spread it around pretty evenly. So yeah. 
I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't care. I mean, I play Ohio a lot, and I love Ohio. It's my favorite state because it's like, you know, it's a good litmus test for your material. Right. You know, so you won't be too inside or too, you know, one way. If it, if they're laughing in Ohio, then they're laughing anywhere. That's why it's one of the swing states. You know, when it comes to the election, because it's a very important state. So, but I, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I've and I do it purposely in those audiences in those in those states. So and, you, I, and I put it up front. So you let you know right up front. You know this is this. My balls are going in your face up front. <laughs> so you would say Ohio is the state to go to to really get good. I, well, to really test out material, yeah. I think New York honestly is probably the best place for stand up. Yeah, because you could go like eight times a night. Eight times a night, you can make more money than you do in L.A. doing stand up. But it's just that grind, it's that grit, and New Yorkers don't laugh at just anything. New Yorkers, you got to put in that work, got to put in that. You got to bring it. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know if you and if you go to the black shows, I mean, I've seen our Showtime at the Apollo. I've seen them. They booed a gospel out group one time. Like, how you boo Jesus? That's pretty damn rough. <laughs> they really booed Jesus. They, they booed a gospel group, <laughs> and the Lord booed. Like, y'all, y'all going to hell. This whole audience <laughs> going to hell. Oh, y'all burn it. Uh, I got Jesus jokes, but I ain't going to boo Jesus. <laughs> I may boo Jesus up. Yeah. Pause. But. <laughs> I I heard you did a, a theater for uh, through a white supreme hate group. Is that true? Oh, years ago. It wasn't. On, but my, I didn't know I was doing it. I was in Vegas. It's like It was probably like 99. Yeah. 1999. I was doing a show in Vegas. And. A white supremacist group came to my show, and and I'm like, okay, they, they must have saw American History X and thought, you know, yeah. I was Ed Norton. But um, it was crazy because it was after a a, a a hanging they had done in Texas, and and um, uh, I think it was uh, Tyler, no, it was Tyler, Texas. Mm -hmm. There was a guy, Donald Byrd, got drugged by the back of a pickup truck yeah. in Texas. It was right around that time, and and I was just doing some material, and the guys were real fun at first. And then um, it turned. It turned very quickly. Yeah. And I had, but, but it was the beginning of the show. So I didn't, I still had, you know, 30 minutes to do. And I was like, damn, I can't, you know, yeah. start a fucking race riot yeah. in the club. So I just, I, I, I was smart. And I said, you know what, to the group, because it was more than just, you know, the white supremacist group in there. Some other white people in there, some, some, some real white people in there. I mean, they're all real, but the swimmers group were crackers. And there were some other white people in there that I call white people. See, yeah. you're considered white. I consider the supremacist groups crackers. <laughs> so um, it's the crackers who who were ruining it, and the white people were cool. Yeah. Right? So I just started saying, you know what? I applaud, you know, this these crackers for showing their hatred because there's a lot of closet you know, racist out there. At least I know who hates me. Yeah. I said, but when, you, but hate is a sin, and when you die, you're gonna burn up. You're gonna die and go to hell and burn up and, and turn into what you really don't like anyway, darkies. So <laughs> that's how I got out of it. And and I went on with the rest of my show, and the white people love how I handled it. The yeah. Crackers didn't like it, but the white people love how I handled it because they were like, man, thank you. You you know, we apologize for those for them, and you're professional. Yeah, because I, I at the end of the day. You have a show to do. Yeah. And you can't let a few bad apples spoil the whole damn show. Yeah. But did that like uh 
like didn't like make you like once you realize what it was like holy lord like what am i why did i take this gig no or, it no? was no it was a it was a riviera it was a riviera oh was a casino it? oh so you can't control who comes in and out of there really yeah so it was like it was one of those weeks where you're doing 16 shows in like five days yeah uh, like three shows a day, you buy ass. So it was just one of the just one of the shows. I thought it was kinda of like in Death to Smoochie where Edward Norton goes to play, you know, for a church and then they turn on the lights to all right. the Nazis. Right. Funny you say that. <laughs> Funny you say that, Death to Smoochie, because I was in uh when they were shooting that in Canada, I was shooting a movie called uh Don't Say a Word. Oh yeah. Which was Brittany Murphy, Fomka Jensen, Michael Douglas, and their stages were right next to our stages. Oh, really? Yeah, so so Ed Norton and Robin Williams and um, Danny Vito would come over and hang out, and, and they don't hang out with me. They're hanging out with you know Michael Douglas. Of yeah, I'm sure Catherine Zeta Jones is on the set sometimes too. They want to see her fine ass, but <laughs> but yeah. So it's funny you, you you said that movie. Yeah, but yeah, that remember, I remember that scene. Yeah, yeah. that's the smoochie is one of my like guilty pleasures. Like you like weird movies. I do. I You're do. Weird. You look like a weird fuck. <laughs> so well. This is also going to, like, shock you. They, they call me the John Cusack of stand-up comedy because I just say anything. <laughs> <laughs> John Cusack's a pretty cool guy, yeah. man. Yeah, you worked yeah. with him. I was going to – I have lots of John – that was, like, how I was going to end it. But what was it like working <laughs> with John Cusack? John was – it was fun, man. John was real easy. It's, aside from being a Cubs fan that he is, <laughs> that's the only terrible thing about him. Yeah. But real, man, real – real. he's just – he asked for such – Ease, yeah. so effortless, you know. And uh, but Jeremy Piven was in that movie as well. Oh, I love stand Jeremy. Up now. Yeah, uh, Justin Hoffman, yeah. Gene Hackman. Those two were just man, unbelievably great. I mean, yeah. Justin Hoffman was just a, such a class act, man. Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, it was fun and fun production. Yeah, really fun production. When you work with all these uh, great actors, like do you, do, you, do you, when you work with them, do you think, oh man, this is what I gotta take? Like you learn some of their skill. To, Absolutely. Yeah. You st- it's cool to steal in acting. It's not cool to steal in comedy. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not cool to steal material in comedy. Yeah. You can you can you can you can be inspired by some of your greats yeah. uh, stand up, but in acting, of course. I mean, I've learned on almost every production I've been on, I've learned something from Ed Norton. You know, was. Is a phenomenal actor. Learned yeah. a lot from, from from working with him. Um, I remember doing a, a role in um, a HBO movie called Introducing Dorothy Dandridge, and Harry Halle Berry played Dorothy Dandridge. Wow! And I learned from her. She she was such a professional. Yeah. And she's and gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's fine. Fine as frog hair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she uh, she she was. I learned from her. I learned from from everybody I've worked with. Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, yeah. Bernie Mac. I mean, John Cusack. John Cusack. <laughs> no, actually, really, really. Yeah. I mean, just really, really phenomenal actors, and and uh, I've I've been blessed. Yeah. Of all the actors you've worked with, who do you think has the like? If they wanted to be a stand-up, who has that skill? I'm I'm not surprised Jeremy Piven is doing stand up. Uh, he probably should have done it long ago because he's you know he's he, I think he has those chops. Um, who's not a stand up? Uh, hell, everybody I've, I've worked with. Let's see, I couldn't see anybody else really. Maybe um, Luis Guzman. Yeah. You know, we did the movie Runaway Jury together, and Luis Guzman, you know, Connor Monte Cristo, he's he, he could do it if he wanted to. He yeah. could pull it off. You don't think Cusack could? I don't know. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see Cusack. I think, I think he's such a good actor that if you wrote 
his jokes for him and put it in a script for him, he'd be able to pull it off. But I don't know if he could just be a raw, stand, you know, straight up stand up. Yeah. Well, I I met him last year. This story's gonna like make you laugh. There's a point to it, I swear. Okay. But uh, he, he goes on tour and he plays one of his films and he takes money for the films he does and he does a Q and A after. That's the light for the buzzer. And uh, give me the light, y'all. Time to get off stage. <laughs> So I went because I'm like, honestly, like he's my hero. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I write scripts, I write with John Cusack in mind. That's because, not a bad thing. Yeah. And so I went there to the Fox Theater. I tweeted kind of like how I tweeted you. I over-tweeted so my questions could get into the machine. Right. So like all these questions are coming up, you know, from Keith Reza and John Cusack. It is like. He's on mic and he doesn't know. He's like, man, that Keith Reza has a lot of fucking questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious, right? And then I won the whole uh, VIP meet Johnny question, like only five people. Right. So I won that with all the questions. And then I asked him, and I told him to say anything joke. He laughed. And I asked him a question. And then the lady behind me, she acted like a bigger fan than me. And she asked the stupidest question. She's like, John, how come in every single movie you're on the phone? And John's like, I'm not on the phone in every single movie. She's like, no, no, no. I, watch, I stalk you. I watch all your movies. You're on the phone. And he's like, did you ever see the Jack Bull? And she's like, yeah. He's like, that's a Western. The whole audience <laughs> just laughed like so hard. <laughs> it was the funniest that's funny. thing. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, do- he does have that sense of humor. Yeah. It, it, it would be... It'd be interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Because he's more of a smart ass, but that's how I started. Yeah. That's how I think ass. a lot of comics do. And start. then and then get into comedy. That's funny though. Yeah. I started because I started doing comedy because I always got picked on in school. So like, I was like, yeah, bullied man, hardcore fuckers. Yeah, but uh, I, I went to an open mic and I figured like all these people are laughing at me when they're like hitting me. Maybe I'm funny. So that's why like I started it's, doing comedy. Really, was, that's interesting. Yeah, and I was very nonverbal with my autism. So like you know the jokes were. You know, because I still have a stutter sometimes, but like uh-huh. I've been doing comedy for so long, like I've learned how to talk and I've gone to speeches. So, what's your point of view uh, on autism? Like, what, 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 what like, are you like vaccines and stuff? Or no, what's your point of view? What when you're on stage? Oh uh, my! What are you trying to get the people to know that, about you and autism? Oh, that, comedy that uh, people with autism can make their dreams come true and not just talk about it, right? You know, because. In my support groups growing up, you know, they were like, oh, I want to be a writer and all that stuff. And then they just stay at home. I'm still at home, but at least I'm doing comedy. Right. You know, so like that's what my point is. is showing so the do, 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 does, does autistic children get bullied a lot? Is that I, something did. That... I did. I mean, I don't know if everyone does, but I. But I in support groups. So like you, you, you had support groups. Yeah. We right. had autism support. So is it was that a common theme or a common problem? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. You know, it's uh, it was very sad because like I was you know with this group and then I went to several groups. You know, so so stand up. You said you know what I'm gonna do stand. I'm gonna do comedy. Yeah, and I did an open mic and they had this thing at this uh, mom and pops uh, coffee shop. Right. And they said a hundred dollars for the funniest joke, and I told the joke. And I won a hundred dollars. Wow! You know, and then that was the, then you got bit, and that's what happens. Uh, yeah, you get that first laugh, and you get bit, and it's like boom. But I know it's I like the first it. time you do it, you do great, and then 
you do terrible for 10 years, then you do good again. You know? Well, you know, my first time, my first official time, I did great for the first three minutes, and then I went to my material. I was, I was, I was like freestyling, and I went to my material and died the death of a thousand dogs. <laughs> and then, so it was kind of like bittersweet the first time, Yeah, you know? But I went the next night and did a little bit better. And then just, you just, you just stick with this shit. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I've been doing yeah. it. I mean, I'm not a headliner. I would say I would. You're, you're a headliner. You just, yeah. you just, you just not selling enough tickets yet. Yeah. How, what's how your, long have you been doing it? Uh, 16 years. You, you're, um, how much time do you have? Solid time? Solid time, 45. You're a headliner. Yeah. Solid, funny, funny time. Yeah. Yeah, you just need to put more, you just need to sell more tickets. Yeah. And then, but like, I don't do crowd work, like crowd work. I I have a thing with crowd work with, is like if someone like is heckling me or whatever, I just say you, you're gonna win. I'm gonna move on to the, you know what I mean? Uh, he's just very honest. Okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let me stick to my program. <laughs> Hecklers don't want to see me, man. Yeah, I just I say I'm I'm listen. I'm the John Cusack of stand up. <laughs> right now, I feel I'm better off dead. <laughs> <laughs> gotta work get work work those titles in. Yeah, work those references. But like I like I like twisting stuff like. Right. Uh, Growing up, kids would make paper airplanes, and I would make paper airports. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, so. I like that. See, so I see how your mind works. Yeah, which is yeah, okay. And yeah. you know, you've only known me for thirty minutes, so like that's the point. I tra- because I have a feeling you love me now. You know what I mean? I ain't love you. Yeah. I, you know, I ain't gonna be booed up. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, but yeah, you know, I like so. you more than I did when I first walked in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like that's the point of my comedy. Right, you know I mean? and that's and that and you know what? That's a very good. That's that's a very key point. Yeah, that's ve- that's very very poignant because that's what we want. If someone doesn't know us, when because some people they get comp tickets, they yeah. may come with a friend. They have no idea who got Tori is. They have no idea who who, who they're seeing. And it's a free ticket, and they come. And then my job is to, man, I hope it's to get you to like me a little bit more now yeah. than when you first walked in and sat down. If you weren't a fan then. I, my goal is to make you a fan. Yeah, that that's powerful too. Yes, yeah, powerful, and it's addictive. Yeah, see, but I, that should be our goal. Our goal shouldn't be to offend. No, not our at goal, all. It, it, somebody's gonna get offended. Yeah, because I I'm very offensive, but that shouldn't be our goal. Our goal should be is to make you laugh and make you take your mind off your problems while you're in there for however many an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever. That's our goal. Is 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 to make you laugh, entertain you. And allow you to take a piece of us home with you. Nah. That's our goal. So the last question I have for you is if you could take back time and redo one thing in your career, that knowing what you know now, what would you do? Um, I would have, I would have, i tell you what, what I would have done. I would have um, told my story sooner. Yeah. When I first started doing stand-up, my brother was already in the stand-up, and he was already talking about the family and stuff like that. And I wanted to make myself so different from my brother, so I started being more observational and talking about more about uh, politics. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, not that I'm, you know, you never run out of material, but I'm like, man, no one really knows my story. Yeah. And that's how people latch on you. That's how people follow you. That's how they fuck with you, when they know your story. And I wish I would have told my story sooner. I'm telling it now, but I wish I would have told it sooner. Yeah. So, and that would have, you think that would have made you a stronger comic when you were younger? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, 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 just, it just would have, it, it would have definitely increased my fan base. It would have made people care sooner. Yeah. 
Well, I care for you, and I love you very much. Well, thank you, man. Thank I love you, you back. Thank you so much for doing this. It meant hey, a lot man. to me. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, and thanks to your cousin. My, ne- my nephew. <laughs> no, my nephew is... He's a professional soccer player. Okay. He's uh, on oh. on break right now. Oh, professional just, soccer player? Yeah, he played over in Estonia, right oh. outside of Russia. That's awesome. Player play of, play of the year, right? Player of the year. Wow. First season. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's yes, yes. Chilling. Eric McWoods. Look out for him. Eric McWoods. What What number are you? Nine. Nine? That's a, number nine. Uh, that's a good number. Yeah. Uh, are you a Laker fan? Huge. Yeah? Who's your favorite Laker of all time? Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson? Yeah. Because right. he's the reason why I started becoming a – I started rooting for the Lakers. Yeah. I was 10. And he got he, – he, I started watching him at Michigan State, and then when he went to the Lakers, like, that's my team. You're going to laugh at my answer. Who's your answer? Eddie Jones. I like Eddie Jones. <laughs> Eddie, I like Eddie Jones. Eddie, I, I, I knew Eddie Jones. Yeah. I know Eddie Jones. I knew him oh. when he was there. I know Eddie Jones. Yeah. Real good. Yeah, he, he and Kobe was almost like the same player. I think that's why – yeah, they you got, know they 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 chose you know they 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 got rid of him, but I loved him as a Laker man. They he the, went to the Heat after that. He went to the Hornets. Uh, then the then Heat. the Heat. There you go. Yeah, Hornets. Then the Heat. Yeah. Uh, he was traded on March tenth, nineteen ninety nine, which was a Wednesday. I know that because that was the day I was diagnosed with autism. Wow. And I was crying because we had uh, Laker tickets for Christmas that my dad my like my family's very poor, so my dad uh, got me Laker tickets. Wow. For April. And Eddie Jones was my favorite player, and I'm crying. And then my my dad's like, oh, it's just autism. I was like, no, the Lakers trade Eddie Jones. <laughs> it was it was so, you know. I mean, I'm laughing at this. That's yeah. funny. I was like, But he, for a 13-year-old, that's devastating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and then you have to wait two years because he goes to fucking Miami. Right. And they only play once. I actually ran into him in Miami. I was in uh, playing a gig. I played the improv in Miami. Yeah. In Coconut Grove. and. He was, uh, it was another guy, Ike, I think it was Ike Austin, was staying in the hotel as well. Yeah. And Eddie Jones was coming to pick him up because they were going to go work out. Yeah. And I ran into him like, yo, man. But I know him. He used to come to Fat Tuesdays all the time at the comedy store. Yeah. So I knew, I knew a lot of Lakers players from there. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad you liked Eddie Jones. Yeah, man. Yeah, I loved <laughs> Eddie Jones, man. He was a great player, man. All right, where can the folks follow you? Follow me on my Instagram, at Guy Tory. Please follow me. If you're listening to this, don't just turn it off. Go follow me, um, at Guy Tory, G-U-Y-T-O-R-R-Y, also on Twitter. I'm stepping up my social media game in 2020, but I'm starting now. So, you know, follow me. I'm having my YouTube page to be up soon. At the, that's Guy Tory. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of content now yeah. um, that's being edited right now um, to, to start my YouTube page uh to put some decent content on that. And then I'm I'm going to sell a movie and get you in it. It's going to be a huge That's hit. right. That's right. And then uh, you're going to make some calls to John Cusack. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get it's him funny in funny you say that because I have a, a a friend in the family. She she worked in the hotel business, but she was a huge – she's still a huge John Cusack fan. Oh, yeah. Her name is Kim Graves. And when I was doing Runaway Jury, she's like, it was a birthday. She said, do me a favor. Can you please have John Cusack um, – Say happy birthday to me. Oh, did I said, okay. So what I did was I got a big piece of white poster board and I put uh Hi Kim Graves and I had John Cusack Cusack holding it. And I took the picture. So every time on a birthday, you oh. know, I'll post that picture. Stuff for that's the sweetest yeah. thing ever. Yeah. And that's cool because both of you did it. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So you're you're my new John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Guy Tory, guys, and if you like the show, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. 
Alan Lee wasn't here because he sucks. And he sucks. <laughs> he does. I saw him. <laughs> I filmed it. I got I got blackmail film on him sucking. <laughs> we love you, Alan, guys. Thank you guys so much. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash KeithRaza.com and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash KeithRaza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.